Ion 2020 episode 250. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Thank you for hanging in there. Uh, while I was gone for the last two weeks and doing other things with my family, taking snowboard trips and doing other stuff, New Year's Eve parties and Christmas and everything else. I hope you guys had a wonderful time during your holiday season as well. Hope you had a great Christmas and New Year's if you celebrate Christmas. If you don't, uh, whatever you celebrate, hopefully maybe you took a day off at least and uh, got to relax a little bit too. So but I appreciate you guys every day listening to the show. Uh, there's going to be a few changes going on in the show this year. It is 2020. Obviously, this is the election year, and there's going to be news coverage that's going on. And I want to bring you guys as much of the news coverage that I can as well with the candidates and the things that you know I've been talking about for the last year or so. This is one year since I started the show, by the way. And uh, I appreciate those that have listened, and I appreciate those that continue to listen every day. I also appreciate these five-star ratings and reviews that you give me as well. That's uh, very nice. It actually inspired me to get this show out today by reading a couple of those reviews as well, so thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, going forward for the until November, so I was doing the show five days a week for the last year, and there's been days where I'm putting out a show and I just you know can't come up with any topics. There's not much news going on. There's just not things that I even want to talk about, and it was tough, you know, it was tough to come up with a different show every single day, on top of that, I have my work life, my kids life, my wife life, my family, all that stuff, right, there's just a lot of things pulling me in multiple different directions, and I feel dedicated to the show, though, I feel dedicated to following the candidacies and their policies, I especially feel dedicated to the libertarian movement that we have going on right now. It's like very exciting time in the libertarian movement. Uh, you know, it feels like the Ron Paul days with lots and lots of people jumping on board with this libertarian message that we have. I was listening to some just generic talk shows that are not Republican or Democrat. They're, you know, people are calling in and there's, and a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, I'm a libertarian. Um, now, listen to them talk, it didn't sound like they were really that libertarian, but more and more people are defining themselves as libertarians, so maybe, just maybe, their hearts are open to some, um, this idea of limited government, this idea of non-aggression, those things that we preach day in and day out on this show and on other libertarian uh, podcasts that I listen to as well. So, it's a very exciting time, and I want to keep on being involved with the podcast, I just want to keep being involved with all the things, all the messages that I've been talking about of creating a culture that demands limited government, creating a culture that de- that has higher expectations of our candidates, has higher ex- expectations of our politicians to demand that the government decreases rather than increases in size. That's a cultural thing. We can bring that. We can bring that message to people and get people to demand from their politicians less. 
I think that's a movement that we can have. That's a conversation that we can have with people. And I want to keep it involved in that. But with all the things, you know, the main thing that is causing me to change the format of the show is just the fact that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges trying to come up with a topic every single day, Monday through Friday. There's a lot of, there's not enough news being made about the 2020 election by any means. And you'll see that from my cop from my topics of today that there's just not enough news to talk about these politicians i mean the democrats let's be honest we have been watching 25 26 27 democrats duke it out over the course of the last year and there's really they're in lockstep on what they believe they are all for expanding government, expanding Medicare, expanding every part of government that they possibly can. I heard it said best a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago, I can't remember when it was, but Democrats are all about policy and institutions and creating policies and forming institutions that in their mind help out people. And if they can expand any of those institutions, they will. They're always about forming more institutions and more bureaucracy in order to quote-unquote solve problems. And every single one of them, it's hard to even listen to them. And you guys, if you watched any of the debates, you'll feel the same way as me, especially if you're a libertarian. It's very hard to listen to these people talk. And for me, I'm going to cover the news at a 50,000-foot level of what is going on in the Democratic campaign I'm going to cover it at a 50,000 foot level from the, when, whenever it goes to whoever the Democrats can be versus Donald Trump, I'm going to cover those things as well. But I'm going to focus a lot on libertarian issues as well. And I think that's the direction I'm going to go is I'm going to talk, I'm going to basically get away from only focusing in on this, these Democrats. Because that's what's been going on for the last year is Democrats announced, last January, Elizabeth Warren announced, and that's when I decided I was going to start the show. I mean, I'd been kicking the idea around for a while, and that's when I decided to start the show. Elizabeth Warren announced, and then it was all about who announced and what their platforms are and all that. But we already know what their platforms are, guys. They're Democrats. They want more government. That's really what it comes down to with them. So my format now is going to change just a little bit but the other thing is I'm not going to do five days a week anymore I'm going to do a Monday show and I'm going to do a Thursday show from here on out so you'll have the news of the week on Monday so I'm going to do that Monday show sometime during the day and I'm going to release it around two o'clock in the afternoon every Monday and on Thursday I'll do a show and release that around you know 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Maybe I'll do it at 10 10 or 11 o'clock on Mondays as well. I'm not sure, but if I do two days a week, I think that that is a lot of, uh, a lot of content for you. I actually noticed that more people listen to the show when I did, when I took two weeks off, the last show I did ended up having like triple the listenership of my normal show. And I was thinking to myself, huh? And the reason why is because I'm doing five shows a week. So most of the time, if you have two or three of those in your podcatcher to listen to, you might listen to one, you might listen to two, but you're definitely not going to listen to all three. So 
in that and with that being said, most likely more people listen to every single show when I do a two day a week show as well. That's another thing that I was thinking because if I had triple the listenership on my last show of that of the month that I did in December, then there's some reason why and I, I obviously that's the, the the case is that it's because when you have five days a week, people aren't going to listen to every single show every single time. I mean, I even noticed that with the show that I listen to the most, which is the Tom Woods show. Five days a week he does a show, and I usually listen to most of them. I really do, but even with him, he has the most listeners of any other libertarian podcast out there. Maybe Dave Smith has more. I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure Dave Smith has more, but Tom Woods is probably, you know, the quintessential best podcaster out there in the libertarian movement. Um... And I'm sure most people don't listen to every single show that he does either. And I'm not going to compare myself to Tom Woods at all. I'm not even going to come close to that because I know that my show is not... I don't edit it the way that he does. I don't have the professionalism that he does. Half the time I'm sitting in my car when I'm doing the podcast. Every so often I'm driving around while I'm doing the podcast. So I'm not even going to put myself on the level of Tom Woods with a five-day-a-week show like that. The reason why I wanted to do a five-day-a-week show initially was because I wanted to learn podcasting. And I figured that that was a good way to do the daily news Monday through Friday of what was going on with the 2020 election. So I wanted to learn podcasting. I wanted to learn about it and how to do it and the best ways to go about it. And doing five days a week really uh, really did teach me a lot right off the bat. It taught me how to speak better. It ta- taught me how to speak clearly. It also taught me how to not say ums and ahs as much and so forth. So that is the main reason why I got into it. And now that I'm 250 episodes in, I feel like I have a general idea on how to format the podcast every single day. I do a little bit of research here and a little research there. I'll probably be able to get into doing way more research on the topics before I put together the podcast as well because I'm only doing two days a week. So hopefully you guys can go along with me on this journey. I'll continue to listen to the show. That's something that I'm very excited to do is, you know, I feel like the listenership should go up if I put out a better quality product as well. And, you know, our goal, though, is to get the libertarian message out there. Our goal is to have our friends listen to other libertarian podcasts so that you don't have to be the person that is trying to convince them of libertarian principles and libertarian ideas. You can just turn those on, turn those people on to some podcasts. And my podcast, I think, is a nice starting point. I don't get into all the weeds of the deep down libertarian philosophy. I'm not talking about anarchism or anything like that. That might scare some of your friends off who are Republican light or Republicans leaning libertarian or Democrat leaning libertarians. That's not me. Yeah, I have extreme views in some ways, but it's not something that uh, I feature on this podcast because I want it to be a podcast that other people can listen to as well and just hear a diverse opinion or hear a different opinion than what you're hearing from the Democrats and the Republicans, a libertarian opinion, a libertarian idea, focusing on non-aggression, focusing on limited government, focusing on changing the culture and what people expect of their government, expecting less of their government. That's the goal. So so one place you could expect less from your government is war, right? 
we all think that, I mean, I think that most Americans feel like our government is going way overboard with the foreign entanglements that we have. Our government is doing way too much overseas, is spending trillions of dollars overseas with very few results, if any. And if you, if there are results, what results are they going for? There seems like there's no directional compass on what they want overseas. It's just, we just want to stay in these countries. We don't have a end game in mind at all. And over the holiday break, there was a couple different news scenes that I saw. Because I didn't pay attention to the news barely ever during the break. But I did notice that there was really a lot of talk around Christmas time and just after about people protesting in Iraq against their government, right? They were protesting in Iraq against their government. And the U.S. media said, oh, it's because of the Iranian involvement and they're protesting against that. Um, But you have to go back even further and see where the Iranian involvement comes from, okay? So let's take a take a step back, and this is going to lead into the killing of that um, Soleimani as well, okay? Soleimani. So back, I mean, if you go back to like 1953, the American, the Americans in the Western countries basically installed the Shah into power in Iraq, okay? They got rid of their, they elected some guy who was a socialist. It was going to take over. The, he actually ended up taking over the oil companies, and basically the Shah was put in place. They overthrew the government. It was a CIA coup, and the Iranian government was then run by the Shah up until 1979. In 1979, the U.S. embassy in in Iran was invaded by some extremist people. Some they called them terrorists. They were revolutionaries who ended up holding fifty-four or fifty-three hostages for like, you know, over a year. So I mean we all know those stories, right? But ever since then, America's been an enemy of Iran, okay? Ever since then, America has had no diplomatic relationship really with Iran, very limited and so forth. In the 1980s, Iraq and Iran ended up going into war against each other along their border, and there was just a lot of, there was just this major war going on, and it happened through the 80s, through the late, the early and late 80s, and Iraq was supported, that was Saddam Hussein, by the way, was supported by the Americans. We sold them weapons, we encouraged them to go to war in Iran, we can encourage them to step up the war in Iran. Or war against Iran. And that's fresh in people's minds through the 90s, right? Now, Saddam Hussein, after the war is over, the Iran-Iraq war, after that's over with, Saddam Hussein becomes a bad actor because he invades Kuwait. I guess they were doing some sideways drilling, and he was saying that they were going in and taking his oil, and that they were selling oil on the market too cheap so his idea was to go in there and take over that country I don't know if the intent was to take over the country and make it part of Iraq 
or just get people out of power that were in power or whatever. I don't know what his full attentions were, but you guys remember Operation Desert Storm. America goes in, pounds the Iraqis. They all flee back to Iraq. America takes out military targets throughout and all that stuff. And then all through the 90s, America is an enemy of Iraq and an enemy of Iran. But you heard way more negativity about Iraq in the 90s, right? That's what it came down to. So, America has not been friendly with Iran for years and years and years. And Saddam Hussein was not friendly with Iran at all either. Iraq was not friendly with Iran until the day that Saddam Hussein died. He was an enemy of Iran. And vice versa. There was very limited influence from Iran over Iraq at all. Saddam Hussein was a different religion. He was of the religious minority in Iraq, but he was the leader of the country. The religious majority, I believe, were the Shiites. And he was a Sunni. Whereas Iran is part of that religious, the religious majority there is the Shiites as well. And that's the majority in Iraq. So, when America comes in, we put in place people that are friendly with Iran. Essentially, that's what we did. We put people in place that would be friendly with Iran. We put a different group in place. And I might have the Shiites and Sunnis mixed up a little bit on this. I don't have all the information right in front of me as I speak. But I just know that, like, the government that's in Iraq now is more likely to be friendly to Iran to Iran than Saddam Hussein was. And since America invaded Iraq, the Iranians have had people over there to kind of train people and lead them, not lead them because it's not Iran itself, but they've had like people training over there and stuff like that in order to hit American targets like they were the resistance but America invades Iraq on false pretenses and I've been trying to make this statement for a while and I just I mean I was trying to I was having a conversation with somebody over the weekend and I was like America shouldn't have been in there in the first place so if there's somebody in your house that's a robber right and they're there for 10 years and you've like ah, that's a bad that's a bad example I apologize but if you just have if you if we invade Iraq and then we take over and we put our government in place, whatever government we want, and then we call it free and fair elections, but our government is in place, America's government is in place, people that are friendly to America, they're put in place, right? Most people in that country are thinking to themselves, America just invaded our country and put their people in place. I don't support my government. That's what they'll be thinking. I mean, just think about it if Australia came over here as much as we hate or people hate Donald Trump in America, right? Imagine if Australia came over here, invaded the shores of Washington, D.C., took out Donald Trump and placed their person and their Americans, they found whoever they wanted to, let's say it was Hillary Clinton, and they put her in place as the president of the United States. But their soldiers still wandered around our country fully armed with tanks and bombs patrolling our cities. 
We don't give a crap who it is that they put in place. If their people are patrolling our cities and telling us what to do and going after anyone that was still a Trump supporter or going after anybody that was still in the military fighting them or anyone that would voice opposition to the the government that they put in place, we would be flipping the hell out. Yeah, they would call anyone that was carrying arms militias and terrorists. They would. And the international community would say, or somehow believe, if, if, if Australia had this great coalition, right? They had this great coalition going on among, among the Western powers that would get them to all agree with them on this, that America needed a new person in place as their leader, so we're going to invade the country and take it over and put who we want to in power. Like, Americans wouldn't stand for that. They would call us terrorists and dic- or terrorists and militias and all that, but if we're fighting for what we believe in, which is our own country... In our freedom, yeah, you can call us extremist Christians all you want to, but that's what people are going to do. They're going to fight for their country. And I'm pretty sure that that is what a lot of Iraqis are doing. And yeah, they might have Iranian people coming in and training them on how to fight or buying some armaments from them, but that's what they're going to do. And I don't think that violence is the way to go about anything, but I don't... I. I don't doubt that that's how they would be. That's how it would be in America. So I don't doubt it that if you're over in Iraq and you see an occupying force, you're not going to follow that president who they installed. Even if it seems like they did free and fair elections, it's not free and fair. Because think about how complex our system of government is in America. Think about how divided we are. Think about it over there. It's probably just the same way, if not even more. The different factions and the different groups that want to have power over the government. We have that here in America. So don't think they don't have that over there as well. So when they say free and fair elections, as long as America's in their country, it's not going to be free and fair elections in the first place. Everyone's going to be able to say, that's who the Americans supported. That's who they gave their money to to get that person installed as as the president of our country. And we need to fight against these Americans, and so forth, right? So, getting on to what happened the other day. So, on the 28th, you start hearing reports that there was a missile attack on some base in northern Iraq, and it was carried out by Iranian-backed militants, or Iranian-backed militia, right? And they were lobbing missiles. And this is what the State Department says. So I don't like. I don't tend to believe everything the State Department says because it's going to be the our government's propaganda on what they want us to hear, or they they're going to scrub all the bad and only show the good, right? Just like they do in a lot of situations. For example, the invasion in Iraq in the first place. We invaded in Iraq, Iraq under false pretenses of weapons of mass destruction, and then they backed it down to, well, Saddam Hussein was a bad guy, so we need to get rid of him. There's a lot of bad guys in the world. We don't go invade those countries, but we were, it was okay to do it in Iraq, apparently, right? So, anyway, these people, 
their Iranian-backed militia. And militia is the same concept that we used to have in America with a militia, right? Like, it would be groups of people in their community, they would get together and and have arms or whatever, and they'd join, like, a militia to get together. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they mean by that. But they make it sound like it's a bad thing, militia. So this Iranian-backed militia, that's what they said. That's That's the State Department's word on it. But like I said, not sure if that's a true, exactly true statement anyway, because there's no more details. I've looked for it. There's no more details after the 27th and the 28th of December. You don't hear anything else about the contractor dying except for on the 27th and the 28th. And now you only hear it to it referred to as since the 27th and 28th, that attack, this has happened, right? But you don't hear any news stories on who the contractor was, who the other Americans were that got injured, anything about that bombing, right? So, but this is what they said on the 27th. These people lob some missiles, 30 missiles or so, into a a base that a, that a U.S. contractor was at and killed him, along with injuring a few other people, like five or six other people as well, some of them Americans. So that was the thing that set off the next step, which was America going in and taking out 15 or 20 different sites or 15 or 20 different locations where some Iraqi militia men were stationed at and, and bombing them and killing them. I think like 32, 33 people died in those attacks. A lot of them were civilians, by the way. Now, who knows exactly what that whole thing entailed as well? Like, we're only getting a little bit of the story on that also. But America went in and retaliated, saying that, hey, you know what? These people did this, so we're going to do that. Tit for tat. So that was the next thing. That was the that was like two days later. So all of a sudden you have one American contractor dying, which some people have said that they're not even sure. if They, they can't get the name of the person. There's been no reports. So it seems like it might have been a farce in the first place or just what this, the State Department was saying so they could justify the next day these different targets or whatever. But there's been some things going on in Iraq. Like, people just having protests against the government and the person in charge of Iraq, the prime minister, had to step down and they put a new prime minister in place until they could hold elections and have a a brand new prime minister put in there, right? Like, there's been some major, you know, political things going on in Iraq. And then all of a sudden... An American contractor dies. We send, you know, bombs over and, and take out a bunch of different targets throughout Iraq against these militias, who, by the way, we were fighting as allies with against ISIS for like the last year and a half. So they take out these targets, boom, boom, bang. And then the next thing you hear is that this Salamini guy is assassinated on Friday. So Friday morning I wake up and I see the reports. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. We just, basically, we took out a general. So he's the second in command. You guys already know this, I'm sure. He's the second in command in Iran. And we also took out somebody who is a leader of one of the Iraqi militias. And by the way, this is another thing. The Iraqi militias are basically the Iraqi army, okay? 
So we take out 30 different sites of the Iraqi army. This is these militias. They're on the payroll of Iraq. You know where that money comes from, by the way? America. Because we're funding their government, essentially, in a lot of ways. So our money goes over there to pay these people that we just bombed, that we just killed, that we just, we've been arming them for the last decade now, and especially in the last couple of years fighting ISIS, yet, and then we go take out those people. So we take out a leader of the Iraqi military, or these militias, as well as a Soleimani guy, right? Boom. All I'm thinking to myself after this happens, I, I, I start reading some articles and I'm just trying to dig into it because I thought to myself, did we really just kill somebody on Iraqi soil that was like a general of the Iranian military? Did we really just assassinate somebody on a sovereign country's soil? That's all I was thinking to myself. How is it that we can do that and justify it? But then you start hearing the news reports. Oh, he was a bad guy. This was a bad guy. He was responsible for deaths of hundreds of Americans throughout the years, and da 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 da. And then there was these um, these attacks that he was planning that were going to be happening soon, and that we had to do it, and it was justified. But this is a war crime, guys. This is something that you don't just assassinate political leaders of a country. You don't just assassinate people on foreign soil. You like. We don't go into Mexico and assassinate somebody that flies there from China who's a bad guy. Or a bad guy lands in in Russia. We don't go and send a drone out and assassinate that person. Like, you just don't assassinate people. That's the thing. Like, it's, it's not something that you should be doing as a government. Like, but you know what? We have a different type of person in the White House, right? We have somebody who is willing to act now and, and suffer the consequences later, apparently. And that's just what happened. So I had an article that I was looking at, and these are the things that they were talking about was was uh, the reasoning behind these attacks, right? So let me go on. This is an article that I found. It's from uh, it's the U.S. government lies constantly, and the burden of proof is on the accuser. This is by Caitlin Johnstone, and it's on the um, ronpaulinstitute.org. That's the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. And it was interesting, but this is the one thing that she wrote towards the middle of the article. Nobody wants to admit that they are doing such a thing, least of all a Trump supporter who's poured plenty of mental energy into distancing his administration from the previous Republican occupants of the White House. But what... But that is indeed exactly what they are doing, uncritically swallowing baseless claims by U.S. government officials about the need to advance pre-existing military agenda in a way that is indistinguishable from the cult-like behavior of Bush supporters in the lead-up to the Iraqi invasion. So what she's saying is that people, even though Trump tried to distance himself from the Bush administration's policy, like his foreign policy of intervention, because Trump always talked about a foreign policy of not like of not intervening and getting ourselves out of these wars, right? But his his acting on Iran is just completely different. Because every time he talks about getting out of the out of the Middle East, they say, but Iran, but Iran, but Iran, right? So then it's, and Trump supporters are just gonna continuously defend the guy. Defend the guy on this stuff. So 
Listen to this. In reality, there's no evidence for any of the reasons we've been offered for why Iran needed to be provoked into an almost inevitable retaliation that Trump is currently tweeting will result in all-out war. The claim that Soleimani posed an imminent threat is completely without evidence and it's rumored to be razor thin. That's coming from somebody who is on the inside, like of the CIA or the Defense Department or something. I read that art. I read an article about that. Razor thin evidence that there was an imminent threat. Razor thin. So do we assassinate somebody on razor thin evidence? I don't think so, guys. I don't. And call me weak, but my thing is this, man. Like, that's what they'll say. Oh, you're not patriotic or you're weak. No, I want to save American lives. I don't want soldiers that I know going over there and dying for this. I would not send my child over there. And I would not wish you to send your child over there either. That's the biggest thing. Like, we should not be in Iraq in the first place. Now that we're there, things are getting stirred up like crazy. Consistently, like, there, that area of the world is not better off since the invasion of Iraq. It's way worse off. So Mike Pence, Mike Pence has claimed that Soleimani assisted the 9-11 terrorists, assisted the 9-11 terrorists is so ridiculous that even the war-loving Washington Post dismissed it, she said. That's interesting, too, because Mike Pence was trying to claim that they assisted the 9-11, the 9-11 terrorists, which that is no, that was Saudi Arabia. That was the ones that assisted that, and that was released in some papers as well, that those people were Saudi. Like, those are Saudi people. Like, most of them were. So, we don't have to go along with that. The claim that Soleimani posed... Okay, so, hold on. I, I apologize. I just read the same thing again. There's no proof that Soleimani directed the strike that allegedly killed a U.S. contractor. I don't see... I mean, you can say that that's what happened, but, there, yeah, there. I don't think that there's really any proof... And she links to an article that I couldn't really find anything on it as, as well. But that's kind of read, led me down the rabbit hole of finding out when those articles were written. The only mention of the contractor was in the 27th and 28th, a couple of articles. And that's it. Nothing since then. So there's been no investigation of who was the people that were shooting the bombs into these places or nothing, right? There's no proof that Soleimani was involved in any attack on any U.S. embassy, leaving aside the obvious fact that a little graffiti on the walls wouldn't justify his assassination if he did. So what happened is, after the Americans retaliated for the contractor's death or whatever, after like they hit those 30 different targets, then the Iraqi people started protesting outside the American embassy, like big time big time protests, right? They were calling them Iranian-backed protesters, but these were Iraqi people who were protesting Americans bombing different targets in their country. That's what it really comes down to, especially when there's civilian deaths. So these are Iraqi people that are being called Iranian-backed protesters who stormed the the hundred acres of uh, the Iran- of the U.S. embassy in Iraq. It's like a hundred acre property. And they happened to get to the welcome center, which is way away from the rest of the property. And I guess they, they went inside there and bought and burned it up or something like that. Like I saw pictures of it, but that's not like an attack on the U S it is an attack in some ways, but this is protesters. That's no different than 
protesters, which they always do this, right? They start throwing rocks through windows. They start tipping over cars and all that crap. Like, that's what people do when they're pissed. Not to rationalize it, but this is an attack. This is an Iranian attack on our U.S. Embassy. Absolutely not. But that's what they tried to play it off as to justify this guy's assassination. It's crazy to think that you would do something without without any thought to the consequences, like assassinate some other country's general. It just blows my mind that he would do that. But it doesn't, because I know that Donald Trump, like in my thought process, he wants to appear strong on the world stage. But this is something that makes you look like crap on the world stage. This is something that just united Iran and Iraq. A country that was at war 30 years ago. They were at war, bitter enemies 30 years ago. And now they're united against the United States. Iraq just told, they just passed a resolution to kick out America's America's military out of their country. It's a uniting force. When you go against another country's sovereignty and assassinate somebody on their soil blatantly with a drone and a bomb, yeah, that's going to unite the people. That's going to unite the entire Middle East against the United States. It seems like it's going to unite the entire world against the United States in that way. And it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And that's all I really got on that, guys. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. I take the position that America needs to end its foreign occupation of any other country. (coughs) I take the position that we need to ally ourselves with countries economically with free trade and with peace. That'll lead to prosperity in the United States. That'll lead to prosperity in the world. That'll lead to more peace in the world when America stops trying to intervene in other countries. And that's it. We need to pull the troops home, defend our borders if they need to be defended, and pull ourselves out of the quagmire that we're in, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Libya, in Syria, in Yemen, in Africa, anywhere we can. We need to pull these troops out of there and stop trying to manipulate these countries to do our will. I mean, is the Middle East better off since America invaded Iraq? Let's think about that for a second. Iraq was not at war with anybody at the time of 9-11. Afghanistan was not at war with anybody at the time of 9-11. Saudi Arabia, not at war with anybody at the time of 9-11. Libya, Gaddafi, bad guy. Not at war with anybody at the time of 9-11. The only real thing that was going on right now, or at the time of 9-11, was like the Israeli-Palestine thing, like people lobbing missiles into Israel, things like that. That was a localized thing. That That had nothing to do with Sunni Shiites fighting each other. That had nothing to do with terrorism in America. Like, there's always been a little bit of that stuff going on, a little bit. But these countries were not at war with each other. Turkey was not at war with anybody. America invades Iraq. All of a sudden, 
and we're in Afghanistan, all of a sudden there's problems creeping up, especially in the last 10 years or so, in Libya, in Egypt, in Syria, in Yemen, in Qatar, and other places in Africa, all over the Middle East, it's in shambles. And I'm not saying it's all because of the United States, but it also, the root cause of that is the American intervention over there. And it's time to leave. It really is. Let the people fight it out how they want to. There's going to be a power struggle. When, a, when, there, when one power leaves, there's going to be that vacuum that someone's going to fill. But they're going to have to do it at some point anyway. And it might as well be today. I take the role, or I take the same statement that Ron Paul said. We marched in, we can march out. And let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it today. But they're going to force us out because these countries are going to force America out because of the the fact that when you kill their civ- civilians, when you kill people on another country's soil, like it doesn't look at If it happened in America, if the Soviet Union, or if not Soviet Union, but if Russia sent a drone in to bomb some Chinese official that they didn't like, then yeah, we would be pissed off at Russia as well. He just don't do that. We're pissed off at Russia when they supposedly, I'm not sure if they did or not, I don't know the facts, but if they assassinated somebody, I think like, like an English, no, it was a Russian person on English soil or something like that, and they assassinated that person, like there was big uproar about that as well. And it's 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 true, you should be up, there should be uproar against any government assassinating somebody else. So that's all I got for you guys. I appreciate you joining me. It's a new year. It is 2020. This is the time of the election. So I appreciate you joining me for another show. I on 2020. I'll be coming to you two days a week for the rest of the year, okay? And then I'll figure out what I'm going to do from there. But hey, thank you for joining me. Five star ratings and reviews are helpful if you can do that now. Uh, But come on back on, what will it be, on Thursday. And you'll have clear vision for 2020.